1: Welcome to Episode 2 of the Firehouse Forum Podcast, and Happy Holidays! This should be dropping the week before Christmas um, and right after Hanukkah. So as we're taping, we are still thawing out from the first major snow in Richmond. So we were we survived the snow, the, the first snowpocalypse. We survived the first episode of the podcast, and we figured out at least a couple of the technical issues Involved in doing a podcast. And when I say we've figured it out, I mean Ryan Deigert, our sound engineer, has figured them out because I certainly have no idea how all that stuff works. But hopefully this will sound better. We have high standards here at the Firehouse. So we're working hard to reach ever higher quality standards. Um, one thing I learned from the first podcast is that I'm really bad at doing housekeeping and promotion. So I didn't mention that uh, one of Richmond's favorite sons, composer and actor Jason Marks, wrote and orchestrated the music that we play on the podcast here. So thank you, Jason. Uh, I also should have been talking up all the great performances that we have here at the Firehouse uh, that, were coupled, that were scheduled a couple weeks ago, but now we're going into the holiday dark period. So uh, when we come back in the new year, you can expect me talking about things like Mary C. Brown that was just here um, and the Fifty Shades All-Male Review. So we regularly have burlesque and cabarets and all sorts of great stuff here at the Firehouse. So I'm going to try not to screw that up in the future. Okay, this is our year-end episode. It's a little weird doing a year-end episode when it's only our second podcast, but I'm thinking we may treat every episode as the last potential podcast that we do. So put a lot of energy and pop into it thinking it's our last one. So we've got some great guests coming up. Uh, Deborah Clinton, who is an actress-playwright teacher, and director. And she directed Heather's here at the Firehouse over the summer, and uh, her production of The Miracle on South Division Street is currently at Virginia Reps Hanover stage. And for the Aren't They Awesome segment this week, it's going to be Caleb Wade, who is an actor and model. He was one of the stars of Heather's, and he is currently in the Andrews Brothers, currently at Swift Creek Mill Playhouse. And we're going to wrap it up with Bo Wilson, who was uh, and still is, I guess, technically, the playwright in residence until the end of this year here at the Firehouse. So that's who's up, and we'll get started with that right now. Okay, we're here with Lauren Bacall. No, I'm sorry. We're here with Deborah Clinton, um, actress, dire- actress, director, teacher, all uh, artistic director, she is just everything. Um, she has developed shows like Croaker, the Frog Prince with Jason Marks. She uh, is an RTCC nom- nominee for The Winter's Tale as an actress. She is the 2013 recipient of the Teresa Pollock Award for Excellence in Theater. I'm just, I'm glowing in the bath. I'm basking in the glow of Deborah Clinton right that now. That
0: sounds so ironical. <laughs>
1: Well, it's just great to have you here. Um, part of the reason I'm, I asked you to come in is because you directed Heather's here at the Firehouse in collaboration with Theater Lab this past year. Um, and you are currently, your uh, directed production of... Um,
0: Miracle on South Division Street.
1: Thank you. I keep wanting to put a number in there, and I know there's no number there. I well, it took
0: li- me a while before I could remember <laughs> if it was North or South, so you're okay. okay.
1: All right. Well, thank you for that saving grace there. So you've been very busy this year. So this whole show is going to be people who have had very busy years. So that's part of why I want to bring you in also. I wanted to take the opportunity to say Happy Hanukkah, which I don't get a chance to say to a lot of people. Um, unfortunately, we are recording the day before Hanukkah starts, and this is going to drop the day after Hanukkah ends. So we have to get into now. Happy Hanukkah.
0: Happy Hanukkah to you too.
1: All right. Do you have celebrations planned with your family? Or well,
0: <laughs> this is such a, well, Did the Jews being a nomadic people, uh, oh, yes. we will be celebrating our Hanukkah in North Carolina on New Year's Eve. Oh,
1: very nice. Okay. <laughs> with my
0: extended family. Uh, but I will light candles tomorrow night. Will you?
1: I absolutely will. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I wanted to bring you in also because um, last week I asked Kerrigan Sullivan, what does a director do? So I've already asked somebody that. I'm not going to ask you that question. Um, but a question that I get a lot is are there people who actually make a living doing theater in Richmond? You know, it's a smaller market. How's it how do people do that? And my answer is often they do a lot of things, and you are kind of the epitome of that. So how do you juggle all these things that you do?
0: That is the question that everyone wants to know. <laughs> I'm a hologram. Okay. And no. Um,
1: <laughs> Where's the real you? <laughs>
0: In this room right now. Okay. Here's the thing. I'm really fortunate. I run a theater company for the JCC, the Jewish Family Theater. So I get to make the decisions. Okay. I get to make the schedules because my thing about directing is communication and scheduling. Okay. So if you can do those two things successfully, you have a very good chance of running your life the way you want it. Okay. I'm not going to say I don't work hard. I do work hard. It isn't really hard when it's what you love. Okay. A lot of it is my schedule and I'm really kind of, I plan, believe it or not, I really plan a lot and I surround myself with good people so that if, God forbid, I can't be somewhere, (laughs) I have planned for that and it's really about the schedule. For instance, at the JCC, uh, if I know that I have to rehearse a show, I'm a very fast blocker. I come in with a plan, plans can change, you Uh have to take cues from your actors and things evolve in rehearsal. But I do a lot of work up front. Okay. And I come in, I often say, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. I do the frame so everybody knows where they are, and then we kind of fill in the pieces. If you can give people certain tools, your process becomes much easier. And if, But, you know, it's different for different people. Right. I'm a fast person. You, you know that about me. <laughs> I, I do have a, a northern um, mentality of, like, I want to just get things done. Right. And so I come in with a plan. And I schedule really carefully. And I'm usually not early. I'm usually <laughs> typically on time oh, okay. because I have <laughs> scheduled myself. Right to up, the, I, yeah. I, I probably do a little over scheduling and could give myself a little more wiggle room.
1: Now that it's interesting to me because none of that sounds artistic. And people think of theater artists as this uh, big artistic vision. But this is very like...
0: Dave, I I'm know. not an artist. Oh, you sure? I got to I got to shatter the myth. I'm a really <laughs> practical person hmm. who loves theater. Okay, but I am I'm I'm oddly practical. Uh,
1: I guess I'm wondering for people who listen who think they have to have a great artistic vision. Is it more important to have artistic vision, or is it important to be like organized and plan, wow. planning? Wow, it's a good
0: question. Yeah. I think obviously you have to have both. Hmm. I think well, everything that I do comes from a place inside of me, my, okay. you know, my intuitive instinct of what I see and what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I have learned over the years that the discovery part of the process is very important for actors, and in order to get a truly collaborative product, you do have to allow for that. Right. But honestly, most people do not like to have their time wasted. Right. And if you can come in with a plan, and, and plans change. But, for instance, you're in a show, and there's 40 people in it, and your scene (laughs) is at the end. (laughs) Right. By the time I get to you, you're going to be in a really bad mood. (laughs) Right. So, either I schedule you first, or I schedule you later, Mm -hmm. and sometimes you still have to wait, but you're in a much better mood about it. Yeah. And I often say two and a half really good hours with actors is much, you get much more out of it than five sort of strung together hours that might be less productive. Now, you know what? Every artist does their art in the way that is right for them. Right. Okay. Maybe I'm more of a producer than a director. I don't know. I I like, I'm a storyteller, so I think I tell good stories. Okay. But people just, time is so valuable.
1: Right. Well, and I think about South Division Street. those, Those are very professional actors. I imagine... That Kathy Schaffner isn't going to come in and say, "Let's discover what we're trying to find here." That they're—I um, don't know. You explain how that how that plays out.
0: Well, I'm probably going to reveal too much, so I'll apologize in advance, Nathaniel, if I'm not supp- if I say things <laughs> I'm not supposed to. But you bring up a good example, and and I think sometimes it's about skill and ability level and mm-hmm. experience. I do think it's a lot about experience. If you're an experienced actor or director. You know what to do. You're not coming into rehearsal to learn how to rehearse. Okay. You're just coming in to do your craft. Right. So I got incredibly lucky with some of the best actors in Richmond. Yeah. And a play that is lovely. It's kind of, you know what to do with this play. It's not. It takes a lot of dexterity and skill, but it does, it's not rocket science. This play <laughs> yeah. sort of, it's easy to understand. Okay. And so we all came in kind of ready to go and we had to because we had a really really short rehearsal period oh, really? How like long? shorter than usual okay <laughs> <laughs> because we had some really big conflicts and nathaniel and i discussed it at length and we were like but these people are the right people for the roles right. and i you know we talked about it and i said i believe we can do what we need to do i think we literally had maybe 12 rehearsals before we went into tech wow
1: that's not many
0: and i have to tell you when we opened they may have wanted another one or two to feel super comfortable, but the show was ready right was really ready, yeah. but you can do that you know when I was when I was a kid <laughs> we had summer stuck and we would like do shows in ten days right. you know yeah. i we live in a community where you can't rehearse all day and rehearse all night because people have jobs. Yeah. I just got lucky. I don't think I could have done that with larger. More unwieldy casts. I just had the right combination of people.
1: Well, you you mentioned Unwieldy. Well, first of all, you mentioned Nathaniel a couple times. I want to make sure people know that's Nathaniel Shaw. I'm sorry, it's Nathaniel Shaw, Artistic
0: Director of Virginia Repertory Theater. Okay, cool. Thanks.
1: (laughs) Um, So, working on a show like Heather's that you did here, that is a much bigger cast, much younger cast. Well, I mean, you've got a mix of ages currently for South Division, but that's a
0: I think experience-wise, experience it was a younger cast. Right. We had a lot of new faces okay. to the Richmond theater scene.
1: So was, that more, was there more wrangling involved in that, or did they all pretty much come ready to go?
0: No, they were so enthusiastic about the project.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, everybody, you know, Heathers is a, is a piece that people have great passion about. It, right. I, it's not even a cult play. It's just something people love and want to. Everybody came in feeling very lucky to be in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was difficult material. Yeah. Really difficult material, and for many other reasons, more complex. Uh, I think just the storyline and trying to do it justice, trying not to be the movie, trying to make the characters fleshed out and real in a show that's designed kind of like sound bites of hmm. songs and things. Um, very different feel, okay. and a lot of different uh, styles to meld together. And the music, um, and this is a nod to the musical director, Jason Marks, really difficult music to sing. Hmm.
1: okay. Well, it turned out pretty darn good.
0: <laughs> that was another one where I was like, we're ready.
1: Yeah? I,
0: I, I think that you, mm, I want to say this correctly. It is a tribute to your actors and your show when you're able to take your hands off of it and go, okay. Hmm. You guys let it be yours now that's my job i think as the director it sounds
1: much like a mother basically
0: or moses
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) i didn't i I wasn't going to make that leap but that's yeah you know he
0: got them almost there but he couldn't go in okay i see never mind (laughs) you can cut all that part out (laughs) maybe Hmm. i mean i think what you're saying is that i i don't know what you're saying you're saying i mother my cast well i'm
1: just i just (laughs) thought think of that that analogy of you know the baby bird you push it out of the nest and it has to be ready to fly
0: well and it's got to fly whether it's ready or not
1: yeah and in
0: the doing is when you learn it
1: okay
0: and i i do think that theater is like that you can plan and plan and plan Mm -hmm. and you don't know what is going to happen until you go out (laughs) on that stage and things happen yeah and what you do what you have to do i think is give people the emotional and um, artistic tools to be prepared for anything
1: okay well, and now I wanted to ask you a little bit about your work at Jewish Family Theater. So you're the artistic director there. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that job? I mean, do you, <laughs> and people can't see that <laughs> Dev is having all sorts of reactions over there. I don't. So are you, um, you're in charge there, but you work with the board, <laughs> and I can imagine.
0: I'm in charge of a very small cog and a very big wheel. Okay. I have, you know, there's a lot that surrounds Jewish family theater. Um, First of all, for community theater, we do really, I like to think that we do really good work. I know that we're a pretty important part of the fabric of what happens at the Weinstein JCC. Over the years, I'm actually in my 10th year. Wow. Right. You know, 10 years of anything. Um, And so that feels good because I think we've raised the profile. We've raised the bar of what we do, the level Uh, We have great audience attendance. People really support us. And we've been able to sort of open the door into the wider Richmond community and be like, look at us. Look at what we do here. So all that's really great. That being said, a bajillion other things go on at the JCC on any (laughs) given day. And you have to be flexible and you have to be smart and you have to plan and you have to figure things out. Right. I'm laughing because you've been to the JCC, so that room is like a room. Right. It's not a theater. It's a big auditorium. It's it's with a stage and chairs that they fold up and put away. (laughs) And I am so blessed. Oh, no, I don't want to say blessed. I am so fortunate because I am surrounded with people who want to work hard like me to make magic happen. Okay. And they are so devoted and dedicated. And I work with this team, this creative team. Of, and I work with the same people pretty much over and over, people like Kevin Johnson and Michael Jarrett and my wonderful stage manager, who is only now 16 years old because, you know, oh. I find them when they're babies <laughs> and I raise them and they go fly. But we all s- share a, a similar um, vision okay. and ethic. And so we know how to make them show magic. So we've been really lucky because we've gotten to have a lot of people come in who want to be part of that. And um, I don't know, I my mom and I were talking and she was like, I hope you never leave the JCC because (laughs) it's very important to you and your Jewishness. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, it's your give back. Hmm. And maybe it is. Um, I'm not particularly religious, but I'm definitely Jewish. Mm -hmm. And I love the idea of combining my passion for theater with my heritage and my culture. And so somehow that fulfills me on a lot of levels. So, you know, I, I love uh, it. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's hard. It's yeah. complicated, but it's really worth it.
1: Right. Well, it's interesting that you say that because you said you kind of poo-pooed the notion that you're an artist, but you know, I recently wrote a story about triangle players and they were talking about how these days not, you know, any company can do a gay theme play, in a, in a way that that wasn't true 10 or 15 years ago. And so one of the things that I think is important in an artistic sense is to have different voices and to highlight different voices, and that is something that you're doing at Jewish Family Theater. Is that you are? That is a theme. There are themes that you're going to explore there that won't necessarily be explored other places,
0: or through the same prism. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that whole other argument about who should do what play. Right. Right. Well, and I, mean, I, I think there's South Le-
1: Division Street, who is not. Jewish play. (laughs) Oh, oh, she's, what is it is? Oh, okay.
0: Wink, wink. Hmm. Go see it. Okay. (laughs) But I've done plays that, I mean, I work outside of the JFT and I do all kinds of things. And, but I think there's value in different people telling the same story from different points of view. Hmm. So if Virginia rep wants to do Fiddler, great. If JFT wants to do Fiddler, okay, great. If, West End Assembly of God wants to do Fiddler. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> right. You're going to get three very, different very Fiddlers. Different. Yeah. And uh, the analogy of how do you find out what the real news is, you have to watch all the news channels. Right, yeah. And then not listen to any of them. No. <laughs> but you know <laughs> what I'm saying? To get all the points of view. Sure. Uh, yeah. I think I don't believe that anyone has one right answer.
1: Okay. I like that. I like that answer. Uh, so what's next for you coming up?
0: Well, I have a quieter Okay. rest of the year which I really like uh, I, you know I'm a full time theater arts teacher in Hanover County Okay. which oddly it's not odd but I do love it and for <laughs> a lot of reasons uh, but I have I do uh, three shows a year there so I have a couple of big things coming up with them and I am uh, we are premiering we're doing a Richmond premiere uh, for Acts of Faith with Jewish Family Theater called uh, Stars of David okay. which I do not think I I know it has not been done in Richmond but it's a Musical review based on a book by Abigail Pogrin. I hope I pronounced that right. Pogrin, <laughs> and it's all about Jewish celebrities, wow. and and politicians, and their stories, and the music. It's like Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Norman Lear and Fran Drescher and Michael Feinstein, and and the music is written by people like Jason Robert Brown and Maltby Shire, and just a lot of contemporary composers. Oh, very interesting. It's a little bit well. I I definitely at the at JFT we really do try to find stories other than Fiddler to tell, <laughs> and this t- seemed to me to be a really good merge of contemporary American life and just exploring the contributions and kind of where people come from. We'll do a live band with it. Um, I'm, I'm surrounded by musical talent that's going to be working on the project. Have not had auditions. Okay. Unlike everyone. No, I shouldn't <laughs> say that. I just don't make a practice of auditioning too far in advance Okay. Hmm. because I like, when people take the job for them to keep the job. <laughs> I
1: see. Yes. But I,
0: I'm, ho- I'm excited about it because I think there are a few things about it that will make it attractive to the larger community.
1: Great. Well, and you've given a good preview of, I'm sure next year we're going to be talking about Acts of Faith. We always do. It's always a big deal. So um, come February, there'll be much more Acts of Faith news. Okay. Well, I think that'll do it. Thank you so much for coming in. And I want you to stick around because we're going to have Caleb on next. I'm I'm
0: excited to see Caleb. All right. He's very busy.
1: Yes, he is. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Okay. Now we're here. In addition to Deb Clinton, still, we have Caleb Wade, who is an actor, model, singer. This is the show of multi-hyphenates. (laughs) <laughs> um, he is uh, currently appearing in the Andrews Brothers at Swift Creek Mill mm-hmm. Playhouse. Uh, he has been in almost everything you've seen in this past year. He uh. was in Heather's, directed by Declan. Uh, he was in the year before. He was in Seventeen Seventy Six. He was an American Idiot. He was in Cloud Nine. He was in. S- he's been in everything. So, um, I. Th- this is also the theme of this show. It's b- very very busy people and um so it seems to me and you can contradict me if you want okay that suddenly you are in everything and is that uh, is that a uh, something that happened consciously that you started auditioning for everything again or is it how did this develop that you're suddenly busy all the time
2: um i mean actually i do not audition as much as i should oh. and when you don't audition enough you can you know that muscle can get weaker uh-huh. so specifically lately i have started auditioning where we're just trying to make sure that i'm strengthening that muscle and being continuing to get good at that part of the craft okay. um because that's that's a whole nother thing um the fun thing about acting especially in a community like this is good or bad people start knowing what you do or okay. people start you know People notice you. They Well, they, they learn of you. They know, oh, that's a person that is working in the town, blah, 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 and so you can start getting to be asked to do certain projects, et cetera. and it's kind of been a combination of both, auditioning okay. um, and then meeting good people and that leading to
1: other projects. Okay. Well, and, and like a lot of actors in town, for me at least, because I've been here forever, there's people that you start to notice, and then suddenly you see more and more of them. Sure. So I'm not sure, can you lay out your career trajectory for <laughs> me? Where did you, you went to VCU, right? Yeah, I went
2: to VCU, but I went to VCU for music. Okay. Um, I was a trumpet player, and oh, nice. I was a very serious trumpet player. That's what I wanted to do. I was set on that. No smiling. I no, and it's, like well, it. Big, th- th- and that's <laughs> kind of part of it. About yeah. halfway through my college career at VCU, the smiling, the fun of it kind of fell out of it. Oh, no. And I realized as much <laughs> as I always loved playing trumpet, whether it's in marching band or pits for musicals or, you know, any number of things, yeah. um, I didn't really love playing it as much oh, as I man. used to, you know? <laughs> it's one of those things where you're just thinking about what do I want to do with the rest of my life, And the idea of just sitting in a practice room for eight hours a day playing trumpet. Yeah, not so much fun. uh, You know, and I wanted to do more. I wanted more out of life. I'd done like some acting stuff when I was younger, but that's, you know, that's when you're young. It's not really serious (laughs) stuff. But it's something that I'd always been in the entertainment community. I was in um, management for the entertainment department in Kings Dominion for Mm -hmm. a good number of years. And I was always, but I was always on the management side of things. Huh,
1: so you, and you didn't, you weren't one of the people walking the streets I of was King's Dominion or the No, I <laughs>
2: wasn't in the shows. I was in the dress up characters for Nickelodeon when oh. they were still at King's Dominion, but I was, oh. you know, 15, 16 years old doing that. Okay. But you, uh, being on that side of it, I'd always had the bug. I'd always wanted to get to the other side. I'd always wanted to get on stage. I'd always wanted to, and I always got along with the casts. I always, had talked about the desire to, you know, start getting into singing and acting and blah blah blah, right? So, finally, I did, <laughs> um, and it was kind of one of those things where I just—I had a couple friends who kind of introduced me to it to the right people, and that let me get a leg into different areas. And I was able to start kind of trying things. Mm-hmm. Um, started community theater a few years ago, um, and it's funny because you know, for as many musicals as I do now. I was raised being told by my family that I couldn't carry a tune in a bucket if I had to. (laughs) I was my father's son (laughs) to the end of the day on that one. Thanks, Deb. (laughs) Um, And it wasn't until I went for a uh, community theater production of Sound of Music a few years ago, and the director said, do you sing? And I said, no, (laughs) absolutely not. Um, She was like, okay, well, here's this non-singing role. Great. Mm. But then in rehearsals, she would hear me in the back of the room singing along with the people going through the, the singing scenes right? oh, and she was like i thought you said you don't <laughs> sing and i was like i don't that's right. what my parents have always told me She was like okay well you're auditioning for the next musical next time <laughs> for a vocal part and then i it was south pacific and i ended up playing lieutenant cable oh, nice. community theater production but it was one of those things where it was a great production and i learned so much i started getting confidence in the idea that oh maybe i can sing and from it, the rest of kind of history. I've just been doing it as much as I can.
1: That's pretty wild. Well, I'm mm. I'm sorry. I, I feel like I've ruined it, that sometime you could be in a production down the road that calls for a trumpet player, and, you're gonna, <laughs> and people are going to be like, holy crap. Yeah, well, you know, it's one
2: of those... I mean, I've still been able to incorporate trumpet a couple of times really? so far into productions, um, but not so much probably within the last three years or so, mm-hmm. just because as much as I loved trumpet, it's one of those things where my focus has been on really honing the craft of acting and get it being on that side but of someone games. could do
0: like sideman or something oh and absolutely you yeah. know there's so many good plays that combine you know playing an instrument you're really lucky because mm-hmm. that's very trendy yeah. to be on stage acting and playing an well instrument.
2: american idiot you know two two summers ago now i mean mm-hmm. it's i when i did that show i mean i was playing bass and which is <laughs> i played bass a little bit in high school with some of my best friends we started mm-hmm. our band right. but at that point I'd never played and sung at the same time and all of a sudden for this show okay play bass and <laughs> act sing dance do the entire show <laughs> right but also play the entire album while doing that yeah okay I no. grew a lot that summer <laughs> we'll put it
1: that way I can imagine Jeez, it was fun uh, well, part of this segment of the podcast is called "They're So Also They're So Awesome," and the reason I wanted you here to say why you're so awesome, in my mind, is uh, the show Cloud Nine that mm. closed at Triangle Players recently mm. is, uh, and we had Jesse Johnson here a couple of weeks ago, and it's a show where all the actors play dramatically different roles in one act versus the other one. And particularly in the second act of Cloud Nine, you play a five-year-old girl, Mm -hmm. um, typecasting, obviously. Um, And (laughs) what I really thought was awesome about your performance, well, two things. Your accent Mm -hmm. in the first act, you played South African, um, African African-American native. Uh um, (laughs) Great accent. And then in the second act, uh, a five-year-old girl, you would think some people would play as Precious. Mm. You played her as annoying as hell yeah. and did a great job at it. Oh, <laughs> so I appreciate that. Yeah, so it was a, <laughs> it
0: was a great sorry, job. I'm sorry, I'll weigh in in a minute. You okay. keep talking.
2: Okay,
1: okay. <laughs> so that's why, one of, the, one of the ways I thought you're pretty awesome. So Deb, you can weigh well, in right what now. Because
0: I, I saw that production yeah. as well. I loved the complete change in your physicality, yeah. which I thought takes a high level of skill And I will say, uh, you are an actor that responds really well to direction, which, and you had a really good director Mm -hmm. for that show. And I think, and we talked about this, I think. That was Rusty Wilson. Yes, I'm sorry, Rusty Wilson. I think you really gained some knowledge or some ways to do things from working with him. For sure. I I won't say you really grew because that's sort of precious but you know what i mean i you know he is a he's really good with actors and i think he encouraged you to to take things to another level
2: the the best thing about working with rusty and that was my first and only time working with him so far Mm -hmm. i'd love to work with him again rusty (laughs) um but he really gives everybody in the cast the room to find their characters to find and grow and try different things not worry about doing things that won't work you know he gives you the opportunity to play and just find what it is that you want to put on the stage and it was just such an open warm creative environment that he allowed us to work in Mm -hmm. that was it was you and you're right i feel i know that i grew in that production
0: you also had the good fortune to be on stage with really talented exactly. people. And that's also how you learn and get yeah. better.
2: Yep, you're right. And I mean, that's it doesn't get much better than a cast like that. You know, it's a good cast. Lane Siderfield, yeah. Andrew Furda, Jesse Johnson, Larry Cook, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. It was just I loved being a part of that cast. And I learned just, just playing a scene with one of them and just looking in the, their eyes and seeing what it is that they're giving you right. in the moment you can take that and apply it to things and just learn from those little moments as opposed to, and, and as well as, you know, watching what they're doing, you know, just when, you know, first things that you're not in, et cetera. I mean, yeah. it was basically a masterclass.
1: Well, and as a theater fan, what's really exciting for me is to see people like, you know, Larry Cook and Lane, and all these mm-hmm. people that I've seen do incredible things over the years yeah. and have somebody younger, maybe not as well-known sure. totally hold your own like, in on stage with them it's pretty impressive
2: oh i appreciate that maybe yeah. didn't uh, <laughs> it we i it was it was a level to strive towards What's okay. sad? You know what I mean? <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna put it that way <laughs> no yeah. but it's great and i mean that's that's essentially what it's been working this town at all mm-hmm. you know i mean working in theater in this community has been my education And I'm learning and growing with every production that I do. And I'm very fortunate to get to continue to be able to do different productions where I'm really playing completely different roles in just about every show I do. Right. You know?
1: Well, and in in your current production, you get to make out with George Rogers Rogers Farmer. Which, it doesn't get much better than that. Come (laughs) on.
2: (laughs) No, I love Georgia. She's great. Yeah.
1: Well, and one of the things that, you know, I'm opening up a box that you can shut right down again if you want. Okay. But um I just remember we had a conversation after Cloud Nine once and you were talking about pictures from uh Heather's coming out that had you and another actor, you know, with your shirt without your shirt the on. Portrait? The portrait? Uh, uh no, the the
2: the, the production the, photos. Oh those were, pictures. Yeah. Yes.
0: In full uh, you, well Rigella. almost full. Yeah. Or a lack yeah. of regalia. Yeah. Down
2: to We your had some nice Sundays on. We'll put right. it that way. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so you know, one of the things, and this is something, it's, again, it's a bigger topic, but, you know, there is a certain level of objectivity that happens in theater. Sure. You know, people get cast because they are good looking. Yeah. Um, did you feel awkward in to be, you know, to see those pictures and to be presented in that way?
2: Uh, n- no, I didn't. And I think it's... I think I didn't because that's part of the story. Mm -hmm. Those characters are not, they're not, (laughs) that's not really what that, those moments are about Mm -hmm. in the show. So being, um, I mean, in our underwear essentially is just, it's, it was a circumstance of the moment. um, Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, so it seemed authentic. Exactly. So it didn't, that's not something that I was self-conscious about or really thinking about, you know, because you're more thinking about what's actually going on on the scene. And I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, that thought disappeared. Okay.
0: Well, I'll chime in. Yeah, okay, please. please do. You know, I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of gratuitous anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I was kind of like, oh, do we need to blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I guess we do. I always thought that moment was really genuine because there was always a tinge of embarrassment. But, but it works for the story and for, and, and it amplified just what immature idiots those particular (laughs) characters were. It didn't make you hate them or want to, you know, denigrate them in any way. It just sort of personified kind of what their characters were all about. And it was also this great moment of them being completely vulnerable, which I loved. Yes. Uh, and, and thought also amplified the story.
2: Right. I agree
0: completely. So you were only cast because you looked good in your underwear. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> that, that was my because follow-up because <laughs> question. You, <Because> did, <laughs> you didn't know
2: how I was going to look in my underwear. No, so. I didn't.
0: Uh-huh. I, <laughs> I, 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 I really never thought about it.
2: <laughs> Neither did I. Okay.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, that is another thing in general, though. I mean, I have been I've never been one to be like, hey, I think that I'm attractive. I think I'm good looking, et etc. Cetera, et cetera. But people have told me in the past it helps to be pretty to when it comes mm-hmm. to being cast in certain ways but the thing f- that i've always held on to is that i if that is what i'm being cast for then i don't want to do it okay you know what i mean mm-hmm. there's there's a certain amount of that that goes into casting anybody in anything because you have to fit a certain role from a physical perspective, from a look perspective, from right. a height perspective, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But I want to be good at this craft. Right. I want to be able to go into a room and know that I'm going to be able to act this well. I'm going to be able to sing this well. I'm going to be able to move. I won't say dance. I'll say move this well. <laughs> um, but I I want to do this because I love the craft. I love the, the, the art, just everything that goes into performing and acting and... And telling stories. And telling stories. I love, I'm in love with telling stories. And that love only deepens and grows the more that I do this. Oh, that's great. And so so it's to the point now where I couldn't imagine doing anything else. You know what I mean?
1: So your next story that you're going to be involved in, Mm. Brave New World for Quill, that's opening in February, I think?
2: February, February 2nd. Okay. Through the 17th.
1: That seems like that could be a challenging story to tell
2: it's going to be very different for sure and i am so excited about it. i mean you talk about good casts another Mm -hmm. great cast right um and to get to work with maggie Roop as a director is something i've always wanted to do i've only worked with her um as a co-actor um so i'm very excited about that and it'll be my first real time working with quill i did a a short summer um show with them a couple years ago but this will be my first like full production with them and i'm very Mm -hmm. excited about it it's going to be good.
1: Well, and I expect, given the track work, rec- track record recently, you're going to be in something else like immediately after that. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> see. But
2: I mean, I'm, you know, you're always auditioning. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see what happens.
1: Okay. Well, I think that'll do it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay. We are here with Bo Wilson. He is a playwright, writer, actor, director. One thing I don't mention nearly enough when I talk about Bo, or to Bo, is about his voiceover talent, which we were just talking about. Uh, He has directed shows like Shining City, Last Days of Judas Iscariot, God of Carnage, and several more. Um, I asked him in to talk to us today because he has just spent the year 2017 as the artist in residence, playwright in residence, was it playwright in residence? At the firehouse. No other act. <laughs> you weren't doing any, like, no. scribbling on the wall or anything like that. Okay. Um, so you've been a playwright in residence at the firehouse this past year, and this is kind of our year-end wrap-up. So um, your play, The Boat Boatwright... <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, well, we'll we'll invite you back for the Next big time. Christmas party. Um, your play, The Boat Boatwright, opened here in February. That's right. And Food, Clothing, and Shelter ran in September for few too few performances if you ask me. But I,
3: yeah. I, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I, if you blinked you missed it. Yeah.
1: Well those who were awake and aware and came out and saw it, um I think enjoyed a really great new uh world premiere show. And so it seems to me like it's been a pretty busy year for you. Has it felt it like has. one to you?
3: Yeah, I uh it was it was a sort of two tiered experience because the boat ride really didn't involve me other than showing up and saying, Hey, look what you guys did. Hey, showing up um, is 80% of the work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, the, the, the play was done. It was yeah. published and there was no work to be done. And, and Gary Hopper cast it and directed it. And I came to opening and said, wow, neat. <laughs> um, but I was already working on food, clothing, and shelter, okay. which, which Joel and I had actually talked about the August before. And we put together a group of mostly actors, although there were some producers and directors and designers who showed up called the Firehouse Working Group. And the working group uh, met every two or three weeks uh, here at the firehouse. And I I would arrange for the meeting and whoever wanted to come would come. And they would read whatever I had that was new since the last time we had met. Okay, and uh, so that was that was very useful, just in the sense of okay, I'd better I'd better come up with some new pages because these guys are <laughs> gonna they're not gonna like reading the same thing they had last week, right? Um, so there was that level of work going on,
1: and so they and would come in and they would actually perform the read perform through?
3: is too big a word okay. probably, but we would sit in in a circle in chairs uh, around a table or sometimes just on the stage, a circle of chairs, and just we'd uh, we'd have copies. Joel would have copies of the pages available. And we'd pass them around and and read them, and I'd say, okay, now let's stop, and now you read that guy, and you, you know, we'd we'd change the parts around if we had enough people to do that. Okay. Um, and uh, so that's not very production specific. That's all about me having a chance to hear the words and find out. Oh,
1: that doesn't work. Um, and that's different and than uh, like normally you would do. You wouldn't normally produce or develop a play that way.
3: Well, I like to have. If, if I've got a if I've got a new draft of a play in fact I'm gonna be trying to do this at some point in 2018 when I have something ready uh, I, I like to have a couple of friends over to the house and just read it you know feed them and uh, feed them and give <laughs> them like we've done yeah, with you. <laughs> <laughs> feed them and give them some wine or something and uh, you know people show up and just hear it you know not not as a public event and and the working group meetings weren't public events either but there's there's great benefit in in hearing the work read by people that are reasonably skilled, but it hasn't been rehearsed, it hasn't been overthought, and uh, occasionally there's something where, oh, they don't realize that this character is drunk in this scene. But okay. okay, so let's stop and go back and load that in. But um I I like I like having that <coughs> excuse me. I like having that uh that first aural experience with the work. And it generally confirms a fair number of things that I'm hoping are going to be there, and sometimes it reveals unexpected weakness or something that I thought took a really long time on the page. It, it happens in 30 seconds, and I realize, oh, okay, I'm going to need to add something to that, or something that I thought moved very swiftly, takes too long and now we have had time to forget the thing that I need us to remember so I've got to find a way to drop it in there somewhere for a reminder so there's, there's, there's value both in terms of is the story clear are the rhythms working are the characters making sense? Do we believe what's going on? And you know, if you have good actors who come in and, and read for you, they'll they'll tell you, you know, even if it's just sitting around a table, they'll say, Why why doesn't she just leave? You know, or whatever. <laughs> Don't um, open
1: that door. <laughs> right,
3: right, right. So uh so I, I I I tend to lean on that pretty heavily. But what was great and new about the working group experience was that it was piecemeal. Okay. What I'm describing, you know, I finish a first draft and then I call two or three or four terribly forgiving friends <laughs> of mine and say, would you please come? But in this case, it was sort of like, here's 17 pages. I'm not sure where they're going to go. Here's here's this scene. I know this scene is basically the shape that I want it, but I don't know if it's going to come before this one or after that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, to a certain extent, it was. uh it was kind of like making a jigsaw puzzle piece by piece, <laughs> rather than doing the whole picture and then cutting it up into pieces, which I think is probably the smarter way to do it. Um, hmm. So, so that was it. Kept my shoulder to the wheel work wise. It, okay. it kept me sort of focused, and and I, I, you know, I said somewhere recently, maybe it was just a Facebook post, but this year I've written three and a half plays. And various and sundry short scenes and other things. I've never had a year where I wrote that much, and I'm pretty uh-huh. sure that that the working group is a big part of why.
1: Okay, and in conversations we've had before about this experience, you I think you've mentioned that you thought that other you could see other companies doing this kind of you know playwright in residence.
3: Oh thing. sure, I mean the residential model is not is not an invention of ours. Right. Uh, what we had to invent was a sort of, the, the working group was our way of addressing the fact that when it's Trinity Rep or Actors Theater of Louisville or, or the Guthrie or what have, the Goodman, they tend to have, uh, or, or Oregon Shakespeare, which has got a, a big new play uh, process happening now, um, they have a resident company. They, they job actors in and out, but right. they've got a core of 10 or 12 people that are there for the season. They have season-long contracts. Okay. And those are the people who are presumed to be kind of available to the playwright in residence. You know, hey, I got a new scene. Can we go into rehearsal room B and read it? Well, who's free? Well, he's not doing anything right oh now. You know, so, so if you don't have a resident company you need some way to to mimic that kind of ad hoc you know test drive right. of of these pages or this scene or what have you so so the working group was something that we kind of invented uh, but but the notion of having a playwright who's around all the time working on stuff and periodically throws new pages out there and says let's let's hear these, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's pretty well established, I think, and and we can always use more of it. There aren't nearly enough theaters doing it.
1: Right. Well, and you know, it kind of dovetails with you know something that I've thought about for a long time. We've talked about it. Is the development of new work in Richmond, and you know, I, in my mind. Development of new work and work that can then travel to other places, you know, burnishes the reputation of a place. Sure. um, And it seems like you're one of of the main people who, you know, are kind of at the forefront of that kind of activity here in Richmond. Do you think it's increasing? Do you think there's... Opportunities for it to grow. Well we'll further. have
3: to see. Um I think there are a couple pieces that originated at what was then Theater Four. Um Red Hot and coal I think gets done uh now and again. Um I think one of Doug Jones' pieces, uh I don't know if it's Songs from Bedlam or maybe it's his turn of the screw, but one one of his pieces mm-hmm. I think gets done uh elsewhere. And uh you know, it's it's Irene Ziegler, uh, Rules of the Lake. I think has been done uh-huh, elsewhere. Right. Um, so, and sometimes it just it it depends that the tricky thing is that a theater will often be willing to do a brand new play because, yeah, nobody knows what it is. It's risky. It's an unknown title, but we get to do the world premiere, and there's okay. a certain cachet. Once you've had the world premiere, I I was talking to Dave Robbins about this. He was really frustrated because uh, it it was before End of War, so maybe it was... um uh buried child. No, 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 time? Sam Sam and Sam and Carol. Oh, was that okay. was that the name of it? But anyway, he was we were talking about, you know, the difficulty of getting a second production right. because the first production, you have a certain number of theaters that want to world premiere something. Right. But now it's still an unknown piece un- unless it world premiered on Broadway. You know, <laughs> yeah. if if you have a world premiere at a at a regional theater, mm, you know, it won't be terribly splashy. A lot of people aren't going to know what it is, and now they don't even get to call it a world premiere. You know, you right. have you know, they'll say regional premiere. Doesn't have the same. Um, yeah. Charitable Sisterhood Christmas Show is uh, running right now up in uh, just outside Trenton, New Jersey, uh, and they're calling it a regional premiere because okay. it is. Right. But you know, you, you want to find some excuse for. I know you've never heard of this, but but it's important. Right. Yeah. So uh, so that's tricky, and and in in my experience it has been easier to get musicals or comedies to get a serious look for that second production. A straight drama is a very tricky thing to right. get a second production out of. Right. Um, so, you know, that's 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 the hard part. I mean, it's hard enough to write a play and then it's hard to convince somebody to do it. And then the fact that it actually ends up in front of scenery and in front of patrons <laughs> right. on opening night is, Hopefully is, paying is patrons yeah exactly people. that that that's kind of rare. All of that is is terribly difficult and and uphill. And then all of that is much easier than the second production. So <laughs> wow. you know,
1: so you're saying that it's we, it's going to be harder to get Hamilton done here. You know, somebody to develop Ham- Hamilton out of Richmond, the next Hamilton. It's hard to say. I mean. It,
3: I'm not sure how to attack that question even <laughs> because it it has to do That's with my job. Make it yeah hard for yeah it. well it has to do with is there someone of that generally speaking i think that there's a an age you know i'm i'm past that age but there is an age a, a youthfulness that says i must climb everest i must go to broadway i must go to la hollywood i must okay. i must make my film you know mm-hmm. and so if you happen to have located yourself in one of those uh central organs of production then if you also happen to be a genius <laughs> i like your chances okay uh, which is which is a weird way of saying I, I i'm i'm not sure if if you're a genius and you're in your 20s what we need are various ways to lure you into staying in richmond okay. or coming to Richmond you know because one of the things that happens over and over again in, in my experience of this town is that someone kind of new and wonderful shows up and we look yeah. at one another and say well he's not going to be here long <laughs> right. or you know when is when is and, and it's all about every it's not that Richmond is is a place to be fled it's that New York or Hollywood are places to be conquered <laughs> right Yep. So I, you know, I've never heard of anyone leaving Richmond because they're really excited about the opportunity in Rhode Island,
1: <laughs> you know. Um, yeah.
3: But but it it is it is I think uh, endemic to all of the regions that aren't New York or L.A. Right. That they will. I mean, Chicago probably manages to hold on to some folks. I imagine Minneapolis is able to hold on to some folks. There are centers uh perhaps d c is able to hold on to some folks, hmm. but you know the very best usually want to take on the very biggest
1: challenge right
3: so um
1: well and and I also feel like there is and this is something that I talked to Deb Clinton about who's going to be on this episode as well is to live here and thrive here as a theater professional, you often have to do like what you've done, you have to be a director you're you're not just a playwright. You're an actor. You're a director. You're a voiceover talent. You're all those things. And, and I'm
3: tremendously lucky because I've never had to work a real job. <laughs> and there are some immensely talented people in this market who, you know, theater is what they do after they finish their real job. Right. And uh, you know, I've just had, I've, I've been wildly fortunate in in the that I have been permitted to do those things that can add up to a mortgage payment. <laughs> right. um, you know, it's, uh, it was, and, and, and every one of them is a stroke of luck one way or the other. Somebody saying, Hey, have you ever done this before? We think you might be good at this. Right. Like it hadn't occurred to me, but okay. Yeah. You know what? Voice over that was somebody who called me. I didn't, I didn't go after that and, uh, and directing, you know, uh, James Ricks and, and Jackie O'Connor kind of reached out to me about true West. And, you know, so yeah, um, it's been it the, the patchwork aspect of it has been a function of of great fortune.
1: Oh, well, good. Well, I wanted to um tap into your institutional knowledge as well, because some people may not know I've been institutionalized. <laughs> yeah, right. the people Come on yes. in, you can take them away now. Um, that uh some people don't realize, people who haven't been around as long as I have, that you used to work for uh Theater Virginia, which was Richmond's uh only Lord you know League That's of Richmond theaters um and that closed in 2002 yeah so it's been 15 almost 16 years ago um and I was wondering I, w- I wanted to get your perspective you know given that this is a year-end show you know what is your perspective on how Richmond has changed since that time that was kind of a you know t- in some ways almost cataclysmic in that it closed you know they had been around for 50 some years um but yet theater is still thriving, in my mind, in Richmond. So what has changed? What's the same? You know, What's your perspective on where we stand right now in 30 seconds or less? <laughs>
3: <laughs> when I was at Theater Virginia, which was primarily the late 80s, but then I jobbed in. I was, I was on their full-time staff, 86 to 90. And then I jobbed in uh, as a stage manager periodically for several years after that. In fact, I was on the payroll when the theater went dark okay um uh stage managing uh a new play that Benny Ambush was directing um theater virginia was about i'm gonna i'm gonna ballpark it and say fifty five or sixty full time jobs Whoa. between the administration and the production staff and the artistic staff okay there were a lot of people, who, lot paid, of people. who paid their, their rent and their bills working only that job. Wow! And, you know, if, if it was a, a great designer like David Crank or whomever, they, they would also take other work, but they were on the staff to do these, these jobs. And, you know, uh, so when it kind of vanished there were people who had moved to Richmond, actors who had moved to Richmond because they had worked so regularly at Theater Virginia. And they looked around and they said, I can buy a house for like three months worth of rent (laughs) in this place. Why wouldn't I move here and keep working? And, and, you know, Um, suddenly the place where they worked was closed. Now, interestingly, Virginia Rep has kind of, over the last 15 years, has built out into that space, okay. and I think the rep staff is awfully big, and uh, and I think that uh, in many ways the 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 energies have sort of shifted from the one over to the other, uh, but it is harder now, I think, because the '80s were also kind of a boom time economically. Okay, you know mm-hmm. when it, you talk about voiceovers. If you went to if you went to a voiceover job in the eighties, there would be five other talents in the room, and it would be like this little cast sitcom. You know, you <laughs> might you might only have one line, but you got paid the same as the guy that had five lines. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then came the nineties, and then came the aughts, and over time, it became you know from five people to three people to one person to actually we don't do commercials anymore. We just put things on the internet. Wow. Um, and and in that that same kind of contraction is a national event economically there are more jobs but less pay okay so you know i i i'm not i haven't done the homework on this i'm just going to speak as if i know what i'm talking about (laughs) but i think that i i feel like i read somewhere that uh people are saying that people are people are (laughs) saying that you know yes there are more jobs in the economy now but but the wages are lower and so Right. You have to work two jobs to make what one job used to pay you. Right. The arts are no different. And uh you know government subsidy has has uh significantly reduced uh corporate support has uh sort of focused itself in ways that are uh make it very competitive you know you we've got some awfully large corporations in richmond but they're not necessarily interested in in reaching out a helping hand to smaller companies there's no there's no image upside for them for that hmm. so you know there's uh and you have all these companies competing for the same contributed dollars right. i just think that overall they the 80s were a time of abundance there were fewer companies, but the companies that, that were in town were large. And, uh, you know, Th- Theater Virginia, I, I want to say that it had as many as 16,000 subscribers at its peak. Wow. Um, That's like four or five times
1: be, what theaters are going to I might be days. wrong.
3: It might have only been a little over 12, but even 12 is a lot. Right. And then they did tremendous uh, – they, they played the, – the Theater Virginia season played to something like 87%. And that's a lot of people, you know, if you, if your house is mostly full all the time, that's great. Yeah. And, uh, and so I feel like now people have Netflix, people have, uh, there are so many more options for what you're going to do with your evening. And a lot of them involve staying home. Right. So, uh, so that's tricky. Uh, you know, there's, there's. It's probably a big fat book, what has changed since 19, <laughs> okay. you know, since 2002 right. or since 1987. Yeah. Um, but a lot <laughs> yeah. is, is okay. the, you know, that's well, my uneducated answer. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's a, just a lot of what I'm trying to explore as part of this podcast, as part of my new job, is how things have changed and how we can make things. Something better, that hasn't or?
3: changed is that there's a lot of talent in this town,
1: yeah absolutely. that
3: has not changed, but it is uh it, it that same group of people have to scrap quite a bit harder to make ends meet than mm-hmm. was once the case, yeah
1: well, it is the holidays, and so one of the traditions that uh you that has grown up around you is the Bo Wilson holiday story, <laughs> so when can we expect that?
3: I hope that it is public by the end of the week. Okay. Well, this and is this is this is I want to say it's the twenty seventh one or the twenty eighth one. Oh wow! Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. How, how do you keep
3: come up with ideas? Oh, Christmas stories—they're—they're—they're they're, they're out there. <laughs> <They're>, I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, it's. Um, I, I don't you know the the how where do you get your ideas is is a mysterious question to me, because to me it's like, how come you don't have fifty <laughs> ideas? Right. you know it's uh i i I don't want to I don't want to jinx myself. I may someday wake up and not know any more stories to tell. But right now the the trunk continues to overflow, and it's really just a question of which one am I going to choose now. Oh, and great. you know, all year long, I say, "Oh, that would be good for next year's Christmas story." And I say that ten different times. Wow! And I jot it down and put it in a folder on my computer, and then I look at them and I say, "All right, that one stinks. That one stinks. <laughs> that one, Oh, this one was pretty good." Um,
1: well, I hope that trunk never runs dry because me it's, too. It's fun. It's fun. It's
3: yeah. uh, you know, playwriting is hard, but the Christmas story is just fun. Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, good. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. Everybody look for Bo's story coming out anytime, dropping on Facebook or on his website.
3: I think it's called The Farmer and the Saint. I think that's what it's called, unless I change my mind.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay, well, we've been speaking to Bo Wilson, playwright, actor, director, and up until... bon vivant. bon vivant, (laughs) yes. Up until a couple days after this drops, he was the playwright-in-residence here at the Firehouse, so... Thanks for your service.
3: Thanks very much for having me.
1: All right, take care. Okay, that'll do it for episode two of the Firehouse Forum podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. I want to thank my guest once again. It's, it was Deborah Clinton, who is uh, who directed the Miracle on South Division Street that will be still playing through the end of the year out at uh, out at the Tavern, Virginia Webb. Virginia rep. Also, Caleb Wade, who is currently in the Andrews Brothers at Swift Creek Mill and will be starring in uh, Brave New World for Quill in February. Did I say at the Mill or Quill? I can't remember. Anyway, Andrews Brothers is at the Mill, Brave New World's at Quill, and we wrapped up with Bo Wilson, um, who is a playwright and was our playwright in residence here at the Firehouse for the year. Look for his Christmas story probably posted on his Facebook page by now. Um, Thanks again for tuning in the Firehouse Forum, and we'll see you in two weeks. Happy New Year.